Yo, yo, what's up, brother? Hey, happy one year, man. Happy one year, right? We got yeah. some exciting stuff coming up in year two. We're, uh, we're really, really happy to announce that, um, that we are just signed a, an ambassadorship program with Schedulicity. Schedulicity is a scheduling app and, um, they've been kind enough to, uh, to help us out this next year. Yeah. They, uh, we met them in LA when we did the, uh, Salon Digital Summit and they, really believed in what we were doing Mm -hmm. and how we were doing it and so they wanted to know how they can partner up with us to uh to even reach more listeners and and give what we give that's that's right so um with our uh with our partnership with uh schedulicity we will be able to reach more hairdressers and we'll be able to bring a lot more content and get to a lot more hair shows so uh hopefully we can see you guys out there in the hair shows when we're there visiting yeah and and they're going to give us some business tips uh, throughout the podcast as well and i'm so excited that you know we're partnering up with people that believe in the same things we believe in yeah no doubt uh, that that's pretty exciting so uh anyway schedule once again big shout out to you and uh thank you for joining your day off <laughs> silly another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, I sit with my bud, Tony. What's up, Tony? What's up, buddy? It's it's a good one today, man. Oh yeah, I think this is one of the the, the uh, kind of targets we had the crosshairs on the you know when we started this thing, right? Know, right. You know, you got the people that you want to talk to, you hope to talk to, and one day you'll be able to reach and and you know this person has done so much in re- in a relatively short period of time, yeah, right? No doubt, right. I mean, she's like the uh, she's like the hardest working woman in our industry, right? I mean, like. Like, and I don't know if that's true. I mean, I'm sure other people yell at me and be like, I work hard too. But, you know, like if you look at like, I mean, honestly, just look at her like Instagram profile page. And like, she's got so many tags on there that you're like, holy cow, does this woman ever sleep? Oh, how many accolades and awards and, you know, dude, yeah, she's, she's accomplished some serious, serious results. And, you know, it, I can't wait to get into her story. Me either, because it's it's amazing, right? Yeah. Um, and and just just a couple other things. I mean, she's been incredibly open and honest with our industry. Um, she's she's uh she she comes from a place of vulnerability almost. I mean, even even um, some of the stuff that she's posted, you're like, wow, like like major respect for that. She she's not holding back, right? Yeah, and, and she's kind of the epitome of what we want to what we're trying to be as well, right? <laughs> when we grow up, yeah. And <laughs> even though we're a lot older than she is, but. <laughs> We're older than everybody. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she does, she does stuff for the industry, not for, not necessarily for herself, even right. though, you know, she might benefit from it, but that's because of her hard giving, hard work. Yeah, exactly. yeah, she gives so much back to our industry. That's awesome. You want to introduce her? Yeah, go ahead. Let's go ahead. <laughs> so uh, our guest today is the amazing, the uh, one and only, the one and only Rebecca Taylor. Um, and, and I don't even really kind of know what to do or how to introduce Rebecca because again, she has so many titles that, um, that I just assume that she has so many titles that everybody knows who she is. So, you know, maybe we'll just introduce us Rebecca Taylor and then she can spend the next 30 minutes telling us all her accolades and, and, and who she and, is, and who she is <laughs> and, and, and all her titles, you know, so, um, so, uh, let's get in. So Miss Rebecca Taylor. Welcome to your day off. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. And how the hell do I follow up to all of what you just said about me? That was, uh, I do sleep a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And that was very, very flattering. And I appreciate it. And yes, Rebecca Taylor, that will do. We don't need to go into the accolades. And I don't even like talking about those too much, to be honest. Oh, then guess exactly what we're going to talk about, Rebecca Taylor. Oh, great. Okay. But I'm excited to be here, you guys. Thank awesome. you. Thank you so much. But before we get into all of that, um, tell us where uh, you're from, where you grew up. 
Well, I was born in Pittsburgh. I'm going to go way back. So I was conceived. No, um, I, was, <laughs> I was I was born in Pittsburgh and I moved to a small town in Northwest Florida called Pensacola, Florida when I was three. But then I would go back and forth every uh, Christmas and summer to Pittsburgh. So I really identify with the, the, that area. I just, I don't know, the, the way the people are, all that good stuff. Moved to Florida, stayed there for like 30 some odd years um, and then moved to West Hollywood four years ago. But the probably the majority of the momentum and my experience all happened from that small town in Pensacola, Florida, even the wacky ass bright colored hair that I was doing in this very conservative town all happened the hard way in Pensacola, Florida. And it's nicknamed LA lower Alabama because it's the, it's the city closest to Alabama on the West side of the panhandle. So it was, if, I don't even know how to describe it. It's very conservative. So, um, yeah, that's where I built most of my whatever, you know, you see on my in my portfolio and my experience and all that good stuff. And when I moved to L.A., I felt felt like uh, maybe it catapulted a little bit more. But that's as far as like me, where I came from. And I'm sure you're going to ask more questions about how it was in school for me. And all that <laughs> yeah, that story actually sounds very similar to Ricky's, right? Like Ricky, like uh, we have a lot of similarities. Ricky and I, you know, he's from a small town in Louisiana. We actually tried meeting up years and years and years ago because we found each other on Instagram. We were, I was in New Orleans, and it just didn't line up. But there, our our stories are very, very similar. You know, bright colored hair, hard to you know find clients that want that. And our small southern town moved out to LA. Um, very similar. I feel like he's like the dude me and I'm the chick him in a lot of, <laughs> a lot, a lot of weird ways. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. That's pretty cool. So how did you kind of like, uh, uh, how'd you find the industry or, or, you know, did you go to like hair school or an apprenticeship or, or how did that all work? I'm licensed. <laughs> so yeah, I did, I did go to hair school. Um, but before that, like right after high school, um, I had it rough. I, I really had it rough. I bounced back and forth uh, between family members. My aunt and grandparents had me a lot of the time. It was not easy upbringing, but um, I did what you are told to do, which is go to college and had a shit ton of student uh, debt accumulate, but I ended up getting my marketing degree and instantly knew that wasn't for me, like the corporate world. And especially where I was in Pensacola, I would probably be doing marketing for like a garage door opener company or some shit like that. Nothing like I would ever be passionate about. So I went back to hair school um, and I've been licensed for 15 years now, but in, in uh, cosmetology school, I knew right away. And I can't tell you, you know, there was no my whole life I wanted to be a cosmetologist or anything like that. I just knew that I loved the transformative power of what stylists can, you know, create for their clients. Like somebody could be bummed out when they come in the salon, they could leave with all the confidence in the world and impacting people like that really like resonated with me. Then when I got into school, this was the first time I was ever a good student in my life. I barely passed. Well, actually, I dropped out of high school. I ended up going through a program to get my uh, my diploma and then barely made it through college, like barely. And then um, in hair school, I was on the dean's list. I actually got out early by challenging the state board. I you know, researched it so much, lived it and beat it. I would not in a shitty way, but I would challenge the instructors and like, well, I kind of researched and if you do it this way or this way, and you know, a few of them didn't like me because of that, but I like really excelled in hair school. And that's when I knew this was going to be my calling. And I also knew since I, you know, accrued all this damn debt that, uh, I had to make this good. I couldn't just, you know, doodly do be a stylist. I, I mean, which is great in itself, but I wanted so much more for myself. I wanted to take it to the max in the industry. And I think that's what really lit a fire into my ass to like, take this all the way and do everything I possibly could in the industry. Okay. That, so, was that short, short enough for you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I have a lot of questions about it. So okay. like a, a total disruptor, right? Yeah, total like, disruptor. Even right? in hair school. A <laughs> yeah. little bit. Hold little on. Bit. Let's talk about the state. What do you mean you challenge the state to get out of hair school? So typically, the, I went to a, a, a junior college. It was Pensacola Junior College. Um, it wasn't like a Tony and Guy or a Paul Mitch or anything like that because money was like hard to come by for me because I had done things. I was out by the time I was 17. Like I said, it was, it was really rough for me. But um, so I... You can challenge the state board, the state of Florida anyway, if you have all of your services done. I mean, you have a, a I think it was like 1,200 hours is what you needed to get your license before you could take your board. But I had all my services done within eight months and I 
challenge the state board. You can submit why you think you need to get out of school early. They can make sure you have all your services. You sit in front of the board and kind of state your case. And I was one of the, I think, only ones at that particular junior college that was able to take my state board three, four months early. So I got out of hair school uh, way early. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Because a lot of people just say, you know, I just kick it back for the next three or four months. So I'm, you know, eligible to take my state board. But you're like, no, nah, I'm not waiting. And that's I'm out. Cool. That's kind of been your, your whole career, right? I mean, you're not waiting to get stuff done. You are, I mean, literally getting things done. You're in the forefront, even with the Vivid's color, right? I mean, we'll get more into that story, but, you know, you're in an area that's not the norm, but you're not, you're not you know what, I'm not going to stick back and just be the norm. I'm going to go out and make it's some so, noise. So, right? I was, I was like there was resistance every step of the way with this type of color, with uh, – you know, getting out of school early with, with, I just kind of had a lot of odds against me, but because of my upbringing, like kind of failure wasn't an option. Like, because it was so hard, I could have went two ways. I could have been, woe is me. Shit was super hard. Like I just got dealt the the cards I was dealt, or I'm going to take all of this and take it as life experience and just try to be as much of a badass as I can be. So, so I went that way. So the million dollar question, you get to take the state board early. Did you pass? I did pass. I did pass. <laughs> and then all that and then failed the staple. Right. Wouldn't that? I know. Wouldn't that? That would be like really embarrassing. Right. They'd be like, "Go back to school, dumbass. You're not ready for this." <laughs> yeah, I passed, and they give you a printout that same day, and um, which makes you eligible to be a stylist before you get your physical license. So I went. I already had a position at Regis in the mall. I went right there and took my first clients the very day I passed my board. So that was, I was like, I'm in it. I'm ready. Bravo, ready you. We weren't, I, dude, I remember my first client, I was scared to death. I know, right? I was too. Uh, well, was like, I passed the same board in eight months. So right. I'm well, here's, the, here's the thing, and this is bad and hopefully, well, I won't be naming names, but I was a receptionist at Regis before I was licensed and doing stylist. So, or doing clients. So, um, at night when the manager would leave, I would actually take and do clients unlicensed. And so I already had that sort of like comfort level of doing hair in a salon. But one time I actually was curling this girl's hair for her prom and I burnt the living shit out of her forehead. And I was like, they're going to take my license. She's going to sue. I didn't even have my license. They were going to, I was never going to be a stylist. The girl was so sweet. I stopped doing clients unlicensed at that point. Uh, had a second chance at life at that point. So I was, I wasn't scared to take my first clients and yeah. Another little story about um, Regis when I worked there, again, very conservative. I think we use Wella and Redkin. There was no fashion color line. There was nothing. So I would just shimmy out of Regis and go to Hot Topic, which was next door and buy like Manic Panic or whatever the hell it was, and then come back and do my client's hair with fashion color. You know, I, I wasn't going to be like, oh, well, I can't do it. I'm like, I can do it. I will do it. And if I have to buy it at Hot, to- Hot Topic, so be it. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want to do, damn it. That's pretty amazing. I mean, how did – even kind of – so you've always – I mean, ever since hair school that – that I mean, you're known for, for your vivids now or, or, you know, your fashion colors now. Like, But you knew in hair school and stuff that that's – you know, you were going to master this? I was just drawn to it. I was just drawn to fashion color. I, for me, would I feel like I would be so bored and limited with just doing brunettes, redheads, and blondes. I mean, there's so much beauty in those shades, and, and I do appreciate natural color so much, and sometimes it's more challenging even than fashion color, but I just was I, – I looked at – um, you know, magazines like Modern Salon and Behind the Chair and all these print magazines, which were huge at that time, and looked up to an artist named Sue Pemberton, who was the uh, artistic director for Joico at the time. And she did just amazing, amazing color. And uh, so I knew right away I wanted to do fashion color. And in school, like I said, I brought my own color. I got models to let me do it. I started build, building my portfolio in school. And the thing is, is even if you live in a small conservative town and typically the clients are not, you know, necessarily wanting it that you know of, if you do it and begin to do it well and put that imagery out there, there are people, no matter where you are, I don't care if it's BFE, like the tiniest Southern town in the world, there are people that want that. And so once they see you can do it, then more people will come and those people will pay you. You don't have to do it for free like a model and then more people will come and then your portfolio builds and that's where I'm at now. My portfolio has been it's that's all it is. I mean, I do a naturals every now and again, but I don't 
care, like I said, I don't care what the circumstances, you can get the kind of clientele that you want if you put in the time, you go in on your off days, you do clients for free, and you you like build that kind of, of area of expertise you want to focus on. Do you think your your background in marketing has helped you with all that? I think so. Like when I went to school, it wasn't, there wasn't any social media coverage, you know, but it, it, I think it spoke to me and I had that innate sense in me knowing what's going to resonate with people, knowing how to get my information out there, knowing how to get me and my, my area of work out there. I definitely think so. I paid attention a little bit. There's like I said, <laughs> ingrained in me, but as far as marketing goes and how I built my clientele and how I've continued to build like my brand, I started with MySpace and that was popping off at the time, good old MySpace. And that went to Facebook and everything that came out, like I was on top of when Periscope was big, you know, and then Instagram, like every YouTube, anything that I could use and utilize, especially these free forms of advertisement. Um, and marketing, I was all over. And, you know, obviously, I'm not going to, sh- you know, hide the fact that uh, social media has been a huge part of why I'm able to get like, myself out there, my brand out there. Well, that's well, it, right? I mean, lucky for us. Yeah. I know, right? I mean, lucky for, you know, well, I mean, listen, she took advantage of it, you know, not in a, not in a kind of negative way. But I mean, we're doing the same thing. You know, I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're doing the podcast, you know, through through our social media. media yeah, but at least so. she has something to offer. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do too. You guys do too. Absolutely. Come on, man. No, you guys, you know how to ask like the right kind of questions that resonate with stylists. People love watching this shit. No, meaning like if I pull up your Instagram, like, oh, look at all this beauty. You pull up our Instagram, like these dudes are ugly. <laughs> Oh, hug. Your brand's awesome. Oh, dudes. Yeah, I'm just, I'm busting his, <laughs> his <laughs> That's funny. You guys are awesome. <laughs> so, Rebecca, so when do you know that moment where you kind of felt like you popped off or, or was it, or was it just like a strong, uh, just a long grind? I would say it was more of the long grind scenario because, uh, like I mentioned, MySpace is where it all started. So I've been hustling pretty damn hard on social media and trying to stay consistent and um, just keep doing my thing for a better part of a decade. Um, it hasn't been, it has been the stairs, not an escalator at all. There have been ups and downs, but you know, when I far- first really started seeing it pop off is when I started um getting noticed by some of the commercial trade or uh, commercial kind of avenues like glamour um, said I was, what was it? Like best vivid, vivid colorist in the world. I had my work on good morning America. Yeah. I wanted to, I mean, to be labeled as the best of vivid color in the world. But who's glamour, right? You know, I mean, who's to say? <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I do appreciate, and that's huge. And, and glamour is, you know, a, an amazing, reputable source. You know, I don't want to ever let shit like that get to my head, though. I mean, that's a cool accolade. I will say that. That's nuts. But the there's SCA so many other said talented. you're the best colorist of social media, and social media is a, is a worldwide event as well. So it's I like, think. Uh, this is why I told you guys I don't like talking about myself too much because there's so many amazing artists out there that I look at their work and I'm like, damn, I wish I could do something like that, you know? So they inspire me so much. So when it comes to the the best of this, the best of that, that's relative. The person naming you the best of something, it's it's all relative, you know, least speaking. So it's cool. You know, um, I won an award for Stylist Choice Award. Uh, I don't even remember what it was. Best Online Colorist or something like that. They're cool. I'm looking over at my little mantle and I'm like, right on. I'm glad I have that. But I don't want to ever let that shit get to my head. But, you know, a little bit of validation here and there never hurt anybody. So So do you ever ever find moments where... um where you catch yourself that you're in your head or that you're letting it get to your head. And if, if so, like, how do you, what's your, you know, what's your psychology to kind of get out of that? Because you know that it's a, it's a path to nowhere. A resounding yes. Do I get in my own head? And I go through like phases of being like, it's, it's manic. It's not, it's not it diagnosed. I, you know, I don't have any actual problems that I can commiserate about um, other than the fact that I'll be really, really like going hard and like really busy and creating shit I'm really proud of. And then like something will happen. Probably it's usually me being stagnant and not having, I'm not busy. And so there's a lot of time to think and there'll be a lot of comparisons and I'll get caught up in like, well, my engagement's low or I did this and you know, 
blah, 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 blah. And you're right. It is a road to nowhere. And I snap myself out of it. And usually it's a good self-help book or getting back in the gym or just something to do to start making me feel better about myself. But, um, I, I like a lot of stylists struggle a lot with self-doubt and the what ifs and being scared to fail. And right now my current thing, and I'm not even, you know, I'm not a shitty headspace right now, but right now, um, I feel like it was easier to slowly, but surely like climb and like build numbers and have different things under my belt that was easier than now that you have all these things to maintain that, whether it be level of relevancy or feeling like I've done so many things before, feeling bored by myself and the work I produce, like that's harder than the climb for me. So I'm just trying to get in a, and I am right now in a good mindset and I just want to do things for the right reasons and not worry about validation, not worry about numbers um, and just do things to make my models and my clients happy and feel beautiful and work that I'm super proud of and not get caught up in the drama because there can be a, a big old boatload of drama in this industry if you feed into that stuff and, you know, let it consume you. And I just, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. I just well, want to be in a really healthy space. A couple things is that is, is, is one, um, I, and I'm just, I'm, I'm pop psychologist you right now, but you know, listen, we're in a new realm, you know, Rebecca's at the top of the game and, and there is no role model for her to look up to because she, she's, she's creating new space. Right. So, so I, I certainly understand how, how feeling, you know, continue to feel relevant or whatever can, can be a struggle, but you know, from an outsider looking in paving new roads, you know, so well, you're paving new roads. So, I mean, you know, I, I get that that can be the struggle, you know, but, um, you're completely relevant in my life, kiddo. Well, I appreciate that. And that's really flattering for you to say, like, I'm the top of my game and all that. But I feel like if you believe that too much, you for me anyway, I don't want to ever get cocky or think I've achieved it all. Or I really like – and then this whole hierarchy system of who does what and numbers and mm-hmm. all of that shit, I don't like that. I don't subscribe to that. I'm no better than anyone else. I feel that my stylist – folks are my peers, not like I'm here, they're there. I think when stylists um, or platform artists or educators start getting that mindset where their, where their shit doesn't stink. I didn't ask if I could curse on this, by the way, but I've been doing a fair amount of it. uh, (laughs) uh, Sorry, but uh, I'll, anyway, um, I just feel like once you start getting uh, that inflated ego, that is going to be your demise. So I never want to be like, Oh, I'm here and I've done all this. And someone's here. I just, I don't like that. I don't subscribe to that. That's that's one of the things I think I love about you the most is, is you are humble. You know what I mean? And you are open and reachable and touchable and talkable. And I mean, you, you know what I mean? You don't put yourself above, you know, other people like that. And, and, that is, to me, is one of the most beautiful things that someone can stay, you know, just humbled and true to themselves like that to to our industry and, and not, you know, disconnect or separate. Well, yourself. thank you. I had an experience. I went to Premier Orlando, uh, I think, I don't even know when, but it was years and years ago. I was a baby stylist and uh, people were waiting in line to speak with this particular stylist that's very well known and when I got to have my chance with them it was just such like so flippant and like could care less and like get out of here and acted like such a hot shot and like the the, the line of people waiting were nobody's like just I remember that feeling and I remember being like if I'm ever in the position to have like a line wait or or a meet and greet or anybody wanting to come up for whatever reason, a picture, I'm never, ever going to make someone feel lesser than because that's, that's shitty. You know, these are your people that you idolize and that you think are so awesome. And then whenever you get up there and they're, they're douchebags, you're like, you know, your whole illusion is just (laughs) out the door. So I, I, I never wanted to, like I said, I don't want to make people feel like that ever. Let me ask you this. Like, um, I don't know, gosh, it's been almost a year now, but you know, we talked to Eric Taylor, um, on our podcast and we talked about this and, and, and we all kind of came to the consensus that, that maybe that that world's changing a little bit, and that and that what 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 Instagram or what social media has done is is it's really let the nice people rise to the top, you know because I agree. I'm always looking for like nice role models, but mm-hmm. you know, now social media exposes everybody so much that 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 the, there's space for the nice guys, you know, and, mm-hmm. and even even for Tony and I, you know, I mean, 
we we like to kind of be nice guys, you know, and, and I think that we have a space now where we can just where we can just be nice guys, you know, in the industry. So we need more of that. And it's I'm great. I'm so glad you guys are doing what you're doing. We need more of that because there's so much like cutting one another down and like comparing and talking shit and the internet it's full range. You know, these keyboard warriors that want to be like, well, that looks like garbage or why, you know, like we need more positivity in the industry. And like you said, I, I think there, there are so many people platform for being awesome and positive and uplifting and you're, you guys are included in that. And I'd like to think I am. And I think it's, I think it's a great place for the, or a great time for the industry right now, honestly. But just to name drop again, I mean, I, my role model is and always has been Philip Wolf. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Philip is just the most genuine, nice guy. And like, you, you know, I, I, I admire the heck out of him. I admire um, the way that he, uh, that he does interact with people. Again, and that goes from like comments on Instagram to if you ever see him at a show, he's completely open to, um, open to everybody, really. I couldn't agree more. He's one of my favorite people. Just be, like, like you said, the way he treats other people just defines him as a person. And he's just one of the coolest guys I know. That's for sure. So back to back back to Rebecca Taylor. So you mentioned that sometimes if you're in a bad headspace, you're like, okay, I got to get to the gym and stuff. And 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 first off, I want to commend you because your uh, your weight loss get um, uh, posts have been incredibly inspiring to me. Um, it's it's an, it's an incredibly vulnerable thing to do, and I know those first pictures are so incredibly hard to put up. But first off, Ooh, was it <laughs> five, big high fives to you for. For, for doing you. it for, 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 and I think that, I think that a lot of people, I mean, listen, just a lot of people, I was going to say in our industry, but just a lot of people struggle with that. So the mm-hmm. fact that you were willing to be vulnerable, I mean, you, you, you've got my heart with that. And, and, and thank I thank you. you for that. So um, let, let's, I, I, w- I just want to spend a little bit of time there. Like, when was that? Oh shit. I got to get, I, I got to lose weight. Like what, do you remember those moments and like what, and, and what's in kindergarten? But you know, do you remember the moment where you're like, this is my commitment. We're going to do this this time. Well, God, there were so many like attempted and failed, um, you know, tries for me to try everything, my whole adult life. Like I was overweight from, from age six. So it's been a long journey and I tried all the bullshit but I don't know the exact turning point why I, w- I went so far as to have weight loss surgery. It's just I have some health issues with like hypothyroidism. So it's very difficult for me to lose weight the traditional way. So I just wanted to, I'm, I'm coming up on 40. So I want to live the best life I can. And it's not so much about the way I look, but the way I feel and what I'm able to do. And like, like activity wise, I want to run and jump and freaking climb shit. And I want to, you know, live my best life I can. So when I got that surgery, um, it was scary, you know, but the recovery process wasn't that bad, but I always knew that by putting it all out there, um, there are a lot of people that do lose weight, but don't say they got weight loss surgery. So it gives people all these false expectations. Like, Oh, these people are, you know, dropping pounds like crazy and they must be hustling. And why am I not that good? And I never wanted to be, you know, I didn't want to keep that on the low. I wanted to be like, this is the means in which I lost weight. And these are the kind of adverse effects. These are the positives, you know, would I do it again? I just wanted to be very honest. And it was very hard to put my naked original before picture out. No, I wasn't naked, but it was like in my skivvies. And I was like, whoa, my God, is this what I was scared when I hit that post button. But I, the, the positive response was overwhelming. And I'm, I was very, very honest about everything it took to go into it, the mental side of it, you know, all the physical stuff. So yeah, I'm an open book when it comes to that. And I'd rather be vulnerable than to be, I don't know. I just rather be vulnerable. I feel like it's easier that way. It's not like you get, you live one life and you live another life at you are who you are. And if I could just help one person then then I know that sounds so cliche, but at least one person that's my job's done, you know? Well, I don't think it does. And like, you know, when you talk about, you know, like for years, it's funny as you get older, how this word, how, how this word changes, but like, I'm going to be real, you know, like, and like when you're young, it's like, I'm going to be real, which gives you permission to be an asshole, you know, but as you yeah. get older, being real is like permission to be vulnerable. So yeah. anyways, thank you. I mean, thank you for, uh, as, a, as, a, you. as a, as a viewer of your, of your content, you know, I, I appreciate you a hundred percent. And, you know, it, the whole, the whole thing about being an open book and being vulnerable, it, it's, it's still helping, try, you know, her, her whole viewpoint is to help somebody else. Totally. And that's, you know what I mean? And we haven't even got into other parts of, of our industry that she's really has created to help other people. 
and that's what it's going to lead this in perfectly. <laughs> so you are the CEO or founder of Hef and, and Vivid's Education. How did all that come about? Ooh, well, okay. So my background in education, when I was out of hair school and working in Regis, I, um, I think it was in the back of a behind the chair magazine. They were looking for educators for Joico and their stipulation was you had been out. You, sh you have to be out of hair school or licensed for two years to be eligible to be an educator. Well, I didn't, I didn't want to really take that for face value and I wrote in anyway. And so I was flown to South Florida to audition in front of all these like senior educators and like their marketing team or whatever. I was scared shitless. I was a new stylist, you know, but that was my first taste of, uh, you know, faking it till you make it. So I ended up auditioning and being an educator for Joico, a national educator. And that went on for about six or seven years. And then from there, I was starting to teach classes and they were, and it's very corporate education. It's very manufacturer. You know, you can only say this, you can't deviate. The technique is this, like you have, I mean, you feel it's very scripted, you know? So when I started getting requests from the salons, I would visit saying they want me to teach my own class with my own techniques. That's for me when independent education started. And at the time there was nobody for me to, you know, no, there was not a blueprint print for independent education. Not that I knew of, I knew nobody doing that. Um, and that would be my own format, the products that I wanted to use, the things I wanted to say that was very difficult. So I just, all my knowledge that I gained from Joico with public speaking and how to present information and the background on color theory and all that good stuff. Um, I, I created a curriculum and a format and then the first, I did a few around my town and all that, but the first like crazy tour that I ever did was up the East coast. It was six cities in seven days, which is, I don't even know how the hell we did it. Um, but it was basically sold out. It was $500 per person. Each class had about 20 people. And I was like, Oh my God, independent education is a, is a thing. Um, I, like every class someone would cry or have a breakthrough, happy cry, uh, have a breakthrough. Um, yeah, they weren't devastated. They were happy crying. Um, was the only one. I know. They're like, ah, I wasted my money. Fuck this. No, they were, <laughs> no, it was, you know, I try to really touch on the mental and the emotional side too of hairdressing. Like we put our all into this. We're dealing with clients every day and you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of heavy stuff that goes along with it. The creative process artists are notorious for being like, you know, they struggle sometimes. So I wanted to talk about that. And I also wanted to get into like the technical and all that good stuff. So it was eight hours of a bunch of badass stuff, a, a, cul a culmination of everything that I had learned crammed in this eight hour, eight hour class. So we managed to do this tour. And then from there, it just has, it's taken me all over the world and Hef hairstyles education forum. That's what HEF is. It's a Facebook group. It's a private group. So it's only for stylists, students, licensed individual barbers. So you can't be a non-hairdresser and be in the group, um, which is very labor intensive for the admins to verify, you know, whether or not people can be added. But um, it's a group I started about four years ago and it's grown to 150,000 stylists. I think it's the, I think it's the group with the highest following of pro only stylists that there is. Um, yeah, so that's where that's at. But education has always, always been where my heart lies and still does. And that's my stylist. Stylists are my people. I mean, nobody gets a stylist like another stylist. So if there's a way that I can have that be where my focus goes one way or the other, that's, that's where I'm at with it. I mean, I love doing hair, but I love What's that saying? You give someone a fish, they eat for that night. You teach them to fish. And, you know, I feel like I can only touch so many people doing clients on my own. I'm only one person. But if I can teach so many other stylists, you know, to be a better stylist or whatever the case is, I feel like that I can, I can touch so many more stylists that way than just doing hair behind the chair. That's how I feel about it. Boom. I love that. Actually, I want to do a name drop. Can we do a name drop? Because Drop I, all the names. <laughs> well, I think I think we have I think we have a a, a mutual friend, um, and I think he helped you out at Joyco, uh, Mr. Ben Mullen. I love Ben. Yes, we do have a mutual friend. He's one of my my best favorite homies in the world. And talk about a genuine dude. He's another one that his heart is so big and he's so talented. So yes, I love Ben. And he's all about the industry as well, and he's all about the not not the industry, but he's all about the hairdresser, the hairstylist. Yes. 
you know? Absolutely. So did he help you? Um, you said that you were doing some public speaking and stuff. Did he help you? Because um, Ben has that public speaking um, program. Did he help you with your public speaking? At that time, Ben, I never even, maybe met Ben once when I worked for Joyco at one of the training mm-hmm. events, but I never have had taken a class from him. He was more of like a platform artist and hadn't honed in on, on like the Ben Mullen project that you see now. So I never had the, the opportunity or the luck of the draw to have him, you know, share any of that with me back then. But that's where we met and we've continued on. It's been, what, like nine or so years now that I've known Ben. I, I love that guy, that guy to death. He's a good dude. Yeah, he's a really good dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of my favorite dudes. I mean, yeah, he's, right? yeah, he gets a crack good, up. He, uh, Same. Yeah, he's just a good dude. We, we we certainly hope to take the uh, the public speaking class because uh, it's easy to talk uh, in front of with one person in front of a microphone. It's really hard to uh, put a couple more people in front of you in front of that same microphone. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. Like the first time I did it, I'm like, I'm either gonna vomit, pass out, or crap, or something's gonna happen really bad. And that, <laughs> and I thought, or all three, and it's gonna be like my career is gonna be ended. And the first time. I did it and I'm well the first time I did it was the Joico thing and there was maybe like five or ten big corporate big wigs and like the president of education and then my whole like peer group which was 60 or 70 70 stylists and you think they're all looking at you like they want you to fail that's not the case they want you to succeed you know so once you don't pass out or vomit or whatever you're like okay that wasn't so bad and I've gone on to do events in front of three four five six thousand people and whether it be 30 or six thousand now it's just like it feels good it's exhilarating I still get nervous Mm -hmm. always get nervous but when I get out there and you find your flow it's it's so good but yeah Ben has a course that can make that that process a lot easier on you and give you a lot of confidence and yeah, highly recommend. He and I have actually been talking about doing some sort of collaboration um, together when it comes to education or classes. So I hope that happens soon. Oh, yeah, we're in. We're in. <laughs> For real. Right. We'll be their audience, right? Yep. 100%. <laughs> That's so cool. So uh, we talked a little bit about, I think we might be backtracking a little bit, but we talked um, with Jamie Dana a little bit about imposter syndrome. Um, and she she said the first time that she taught a class that she felt like like do I belong here and all that stuff. Have you experienced that? You actually I know you have because I think it's a human experience. But you know what's been your experience with 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 fighting through that kind of like do I belong feeling? God, that that kind of touches on what we said a little bit ago about like comparison and like if you get in in your own head or whatever. But I feel like because I I do not to use this term, but I do keep it as real as I can. I feel like there's I'm not like one person in front of this person or, or another person when I'm around this person. I I don't know I don't know I don't even really know what imposter syndrome is. Like you're not your genuine self, and like you don't deserve to be there. Is that kind of what it is? Or I just think it's when you get in your own head. Kind of like you, you what 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 made me think about it is is when you said that you know people are there to you think that people want you to fail. Mm-hmm. but they really are there to support you. So, you know, I guess it's just that transition, you know, like, like if you're head, if you're in the headspace of like, they want me to fail, that's like that imposter syndrome. Like, do I belong here? Do I, do, do I deserve, I see what you're saying. do I deserve to be standing in front of these people educating? I have thoughts like that all the time, all the time. Like usually um, when it's in front of a group and I'm educating in that sort of environment, um, I use a little bit of humor to like lighten people up because a lot of times they're sitting there like stone cold face, like whatever. And of course you're thinking the worst, but if you just kind of scan the room and you find that person nodding a little bit or smiling or whatever, it, for me, it kind of like, um, I don't know, warms me up a little bit and gets me going. But after that, like, I feel like once you get going with some momentum, it's fine. Um, so that's one thing when it comes to being on stage, I don't really have thoughts of like, Oh, I don't belong to be here. Or I don't, or I don't belong here. or I don't deserve this or whatever, because it's a really good energy. But as far as myself and internally and with social media, I have thoughts like that all the time. Sure. Like, do I deserve this? Um, like, yeah, I do. But then, like I said, I, I try to just snap myself back out of it and uh, go back to my roots of why I do hair. It's not for validation. It's not for numbers. It's not for likes. It's not for this and that. It's for making that person who I'm working with feel beautiful. And it's for me to be creatively fulfilled. So that's, I just got to snap myself back out of it, but I'm guilty. You know, I'm just as guilty as everybody else for having low moments like that. But it, you can only 
you yourself, you're the captain of your ship. So you are the one that's going to control it internally. So I try to get my head out of my butt as soon as possible when that starts to happen. Well, and, and, and I guess if you, if you, if you have a goal in mind or, you know, you, you know, know your why, right. Why you're doing it, and that kind of helps you to kind of stay focused or, you know, get all that other garbage that's trying to get in there to take up space, right. Mm-hmm. Keep you clear and stuff like that. But what keeps you current or what keeps you motivated for the next thing or you know, you guys said, when do I sleep and stuff? I, there are a lot of, there's a lot of downtime because my, my situation now is I don't take clients. I do have a studio, but I haven't taken clients since I moved to West Hollywood, um, four years ago. So that's been a huge, that was a culture shock. I owned a salon in Florida, took like seven, eight, nine clients every day, 70 hours a week. It was bananas. So from that to having very little structure, being self-employed, Um, there are days where I don't work, you know, I'm just working on my computer at home. And if I do that too often, I get into a rut. So keeping myself busy is very important. So I book content models as much as possible. And I just want to do, I, I, when it comes, okay. So this, whatever they're like, um, do whatever you want. Sometimes that's, that doesn't challenge you. You know, when you have a client, they come in, they tell you what they want and they have a lot of challenges with their hair. When I source these models, a lot of times they're pre-lightened or they have old-fashioned color. They're not hard to work with, and they're saying, do whatever you want. So the challenge is out the window, and that's when I get in my own head or um, I'm thinking, like, I want to do something new. I want to do something fresh, something different, like something I haven't done before. So right now, I just try to push myself. I just try to push myself and do things that I'm not necessarily comfortable with, Um do some things that are unexpected, just try not to go through the motions, you know, just really, really, really push myself to be fulfilled. But being busy is where I find my, uh, my good, happy mental place because sitting around, I just think way too damn much, not a good place for me. <laughs> yeah. Me, me either. Yeah. <laughs> to stay busy as busy as we, uh, as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, dude. So I, I got to tell you that, that you are, and, and I'm, this isn't an exaggeration. Like you, you are completely an inspiration um, to Tony and I, we, um, we are such big fans of, of, of what's going on in half and, and, and what that means for our industry. And um, I am so happy that you found that space for, for us as an industry and, and, and Thank you. super, super stoked um, for that. I mean, again, just a role model, like uh, congratulations. And, and, and thank you again for, 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 for bringing that to, uh, to our industry. Thank you so much. If I could just real quick talk about how Hef has evolved in a, in a, a small way recently. Yeah. Um, the Hef, the hairstylist education forum, the big one with 150,000 stylists, um, we decided to do a sub group where it's con- like um, live education. We have weekly educators, some of the biggest names in the biz. We've had like um, Jenny Streeby. We've had, we've had Philip Wolf. We've had Zach Mesquit, um, Lisa, Carrillo. Um, I, there's so many, basically every single week, a stylist goes on. It's very interactive. Um, this is a platform though, that it's a, it's a paid platform because you're getting like quality, like a lot of content. Um, and it's $30 a month. So this is a little subgroup to the big Hef Academy. So it's called, uh, or this one's called Hef Academy. The big one's called hairstylist education forum. So, um, yeah, there's a page about it. it. The link is on my bio on my Instagram. It's been really, really amazing. We're actually we're paying the stylists for their time. We're keeping it incredibly affordable with thirty dollars a month. So it's been some really, really dope education since we launched in October. And I would love for people to check it out and see what you think. Are so, you doing? Yeah. Are you doing? Uh, are you doing special guests like weekly? How does that work? Well. Every single week we have another educator. And so that educator will go live for a minimum of one hour um, showing whatever technique that may be. Do you guys know Darina, the amazing photographer that... Yeah, we just just did a podcast with her. Okay, so she is upcoming. Erica Keelan, she's upcoming. Uh, Lo, um, I can't even think of of all the people that have done it so far. But every single week since October... A stylist will go live in there and all members will have access to the live. We'll be able to do interactive questions. They're demonstrating. We had uh, Nina Kovner, which was, um, she was talking about, you know, just the mental side of our industry and like a lot of really good um, applicable tips to kind of wade through what's going on and like your thoughts and and all that stuff. Um, But yeah, it happens every single week. 
Um, and it's amazing. So you're getting a class every week. And you're basically getting that for $7 and 50 cents a, a, yes. a week. Right. A couple, we're, right? yeah. a couple of Starbucks is, is, is a couple of Starbucks and lunch Starbucks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That shit's expensive. Uh, the Starbucks, not the Hef Academy. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can't beat that with a stick. Usually a lot of podcasts on these other beauty outlets and networks. I mean, the podcast can be, or not podcast, but, um, like webinar, mm -hmm. they're as low as $20, but can be upwards to 40 or 50 for one podcast. This you're getting four educators in a whole month. So it's only like, it's really affordable. This wasn't a way to like, you know, be a millionaire or make a ton of money. This was a, a way to give another outlet or, a, or an access to education. And really the money that we're getting by the people that are registering goes to paying the educators for lending their time and expertise. So it's, it's been awesome so far. And we want it to grow. We want it to be become bigger than it is so we can pay educators more, have huge free events like we did, uh, I think it, not last year, but the year before we had a HEP event, huge event, 500 people. They were allowed, everybody was in for free. Uh, we had 18 educators, including uh, Ricky, Alfredo, Philip, Low Wheeler, David, you name it. 18 educators donated their time for free. This is all about ultimately giving back. So we, we want this to take off so we can offer more free education to, to people. Beautiful. I love me some Rebecca Taylor. Yep. <laughs> Even when I talk so much, I feel like I'm talking you guys' ears off. Uh, uh, you're can't talking, get enough. You're talking. Okay, you're, good. You're inspiring, Mama. Yeah. Thank you so much. You guys are great. So is there anything else that you want to uh, talk about or get into? Sure. So I'm really, really lucky to work with several brands that I respect greatly, like huge, huge, like, um, I don't know, foundational education companies, one of them being Redken. I was, um, I was made their creative colorist, uh, brand ambassador, whatever you want to call it a couple of years ago. And that, that, um, relationship has been absolutely amazing. So I love, love, love working with Redken, um, have the same kind of deal with sexy hair. I've been working with B3 for three years now. So I'm really, really fortunate to be able to partner with these brands, brands I use every day anyway. So it feels very natural to talk about them. And then a couple years ago, actually, I was, um, I was reached out to, or somebody reached out to me from Finland, a person named Tattoo. So this was all via email. I never talked to this person. Yeah, I saw them on Fantasy, Fantasy Island, right? <laughs> yeah. The plane? Not the, the plane tattoo. No. Um, this tattoo looks like completely different. But for some reason, via email this whole time, I was thinking this was a woman I was talking to. But basically, they said they're a Finnish-based company. Um, in their market, with their permanent color, they were like, rank number two or three. So in the Scandinavian countries, they were a big deal. They have a huge facility, blah, blah, blah. So they said their chemist had been recently working on a color line that was color all broken down into components. So basically you had your pigment, which could be a direct dye or survive in ammonia. And that in itself was crazy. I'm like, how can direct dye survive in ammonia and be permanent? That intrigued me. Um, so that's the one part. The second part is alkaline or ammonia essentially. And the third part is developer. So never before have I seen, um, basically stylists be given the responsibility to know how to mix color that way and have everything broken down for you. Like you get to be chemist a little bit. So fast forward, they were like, we want you to come to Finland, check this out. We got this, um, we have our prototypes. We want you to talk to our chemist. Um, all that good stuff. So blindly, I went to Finland, not knowing who or you know what the hell was going to happen. I've done that a couple times. Um, that some a similar opportunity took me to Australia, and I'm like, well, let's see what happens. But um, so whenever we got off the plane, I was looking for a chick that would be named Tattoo, and there was like a a little little Finnish white guy named Tattoo, and I'm like, oh hey, okay, <laughs> we, we finally meet. So um, Vatican is the Vatican. I know, I know, it's funny. But um, we went to the facility, it was, everything was legit. Um, I spoke with the chemist, she gave me a breakdown of what everything was. This color, new, tech, co new color technology was definitely nothing that I had ever, ever seen before. Um, so long story short, they sent me home with all of the products. Um, I worked with it for a year, went back and forth with the chemist, then with the marketing. So I worked on all of the packaging, the the marketing materials, education, the name of the product. And along with this company, I developed this Trillion Tone. So um, 
it launched globally online March of last year. And as of December, we had a meeting with Salon Centric. And so they picked up the product and it's going to come to US market and all of the Salon Centrics. And wow. that's huge. And that's probably going to be slated for, um, uh, I don't know, to launch around September, August of September of this year. So that that's nuts to me. It's nuts to me that I that I have a signature color line and it blows my mind and it's, and it's nothing like anything else you are going to see out there, which is again, why I wanted to, you know, attach my name and, and my brand and, and be a part of something like this because I've been approached two or three times in the past to do a direct eye line. And I didn't want to do something that had already been done before a million trillion times. There's so many direct eye lines now. Um, so many great ones, you know, I'm not talking crap about the, that category, but I wanted to do something different and Trillion Tones is that, and it's a, it's a dream. And I'm just hoping that okay, we, so, so hold on. So, so you're saying that's an oxidative in you know, like vivid line is, is it's that kind everything. Of it's it. Well, yes. The short answer to that is yes, but it's anything you want it to be. It's, it could be demi, it could be a toner, it could be lift and deposit, it could be permanent, it could be direct dye, it could be a remover because all of the components are broke, broken down. So based on how you mix it um, is what color category it'll be. So for instance, if you mix one part, the pigment and you you know, you create your own tones because it comes with the primary shades and then it comes with brown, black, and white. So based on you can create that's why it's called trillion tones you can create trillions of color options so let's say you wanted to make a lift and deposit purple on somebody so you would mix red and blue and then you would weigh that out and you would do equal parts of the alkaline and then equal parts developer so and then it gives a breakdown on the website and everything it sounds like it's a little bit advanced but it's really simple when you think about it. It's just we as stylists now have the option to actually mix color for ourselves from the, the fundamental level of pigment, alkaline, and developer. Didn't well uh, didn't well I have a product about, I don't know, fifteen years ago that kind of did the same thing. Like they were that you could buy like like it was it, like the pigment came in like these crystals. It was like the sugar coat covered crystals and like you Do you mean magma? No, it wasn't magma, it was before magma. It was like you had this whole kit. And you could same. You could kind of like add your 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 pigments to it, um, to the developer, and it would break down. I, I don't know. I, 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 there was definitely a I, there, there are similar things, but I think where the point of difference here is is you have ammonia itself in a bottle. Like usually, the ammonia and pigment are mixed together. That's what mm -hmm. comes in the tube or the crystals or whatever the case is, and then you mix that with developer. With this, the ammonia it's literally alkaline in a bottle, and I've not seen that anywhere. So you, it's. That's the, that's the unique part. And to make it a remover, let's say, you would mix the alkaline and developer together by itself with no pigment and apply that to like old-fashioned color or something like that, and it would remove color. Wow. So it's, it's nuts, and it's very versatile. And the kicker, the part that I absolutely love, um, is that it's compatible to be used with other hair color lines, all hair color lines. So that was, wow. that's my big thing. I don't like when you have to be like, I'm camp this or I'm team this and you have right. to like, whatever. This is compatible with all other lines. That's I mix it with my Redken all the time. I love it for boosters, for like changing and customizing my, my city beat. So you don't have to choose. This is just like a supplemental um, kind of arsenal in your toolbox that can do so much and, pretty incredible, and actually. Yeah, now with now with the, now with the uh, lift and deposit colors what what uh what's the washout or the the longevity if you're looking at like you know like vivid type colors well it depends on porosity so if you're putting on damaged hair or compromised in any way hair of course it's going to fade a little bit quicker but um on average because you're actually swelling the cuticle and these direct dye molecules or vibrant molecules are being driven in a little bit deep, deeper than if you were to apply it as a direct dye, um, you're definitely going to see two or three additional weeks of longevity than you would, what you would normally get with direct dye. Okay. So, and if you, and if you applied it like lift and deposit and then did an overlay of a direct dye, it's going to last even longer. So it's, it's nuts. So it's kind of like it's base or it's foundation is also the direct dye. So that makes sense. I mean, of that tone. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you do a direct eye over top of it, it's you're only going to like increase that depth. How do, how how do I find uh, how do I learn more about that? So um, I just did a I went back to Finland not too long ago, and I did a series of um, like I don't well webinars, but for free um, 
about the the most fundamental breakdown that you can possibly imagine. I'm like holding up every bottle and saying, this is what this does. I demonstrate on a model. I mix a bunch of different scenarios. Um, but go to Trillion Tones on Instagram. And you can also go to trilliontones.com. And then Trillion Tones YouTube is where you'll find hours and hours of educational content. And we're going to hair shows all around this upcoming year. We're going to be in salon centric again. So we're really working on our, our education jam right now to make sure we we're coming hardcore for the folks that want to know about it. Look, all this it, within, you know, even though you said it, it feels like it's been a long grind within a 15 year span. Right. Of being right. a hairdresser. I know, right? right? So that's incredible. That's why you're Thank you. You know, yep. like those that work hard. And, I mean, yeah, again, those that work hard, there's space for them, you know, if that's yeah. what they want, right? Yep. You know, um, so if I can do it, if I can do it from little ass Pensacola, I <laughs> swear to God, anybody can do it. You just, for me, I lived it, breathed it, slept, dreamt it, was consumed by it. You know, I'm not going to say it's not going to maybe you know, take a toll on relationships and you may not be going out and partying and whatever, but if you have tunnel vision, I swear to you, if I can do it, anybody can do it. So there's room out there for all of us. There's a shit ton of different avenues. You don't just have to be behind the chair. You can do whatever in the world you want to do in this industry. And that's why I love it so much. Yeah. Again, thank you so much. We truly, truly appreciate this. And, uh, you, you are such a, like Corey said, an inspiration, uh, not just an individual, but I mean, just to, to, for the whole community, man, and uh, someone and, and not just by how talented you are, but how giving you are, you know what I mean? I appreciate you know, that. We all had that heart. Uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be all this struggle. It wouldn't be all this hate, right? It'd be all love. So I really appreciate that. I'm trying real hard not to, I'm, one might be coming out. So I'm trying real hard to, <laughs> I don't take compliments well, but thank you so much. That means a lot. Uh, just for people to know at home, uh, Rebecca was uh, wiping her eyes while Tony was uh, complimenting her. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, did I say squeeze one out? And, and we didn't have... <laughs> I forgot that people weren't looking at me. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Well, Rebecca Taylor, I'm going to ask you for a favor in that if we ever get the chance to do this live, I, there's nothing I would like more than to sit across the table from you and and. and and kind of hang out, um, hang out with you for uh, for an event. So we'll definitely try to get that on the book. Um, I, I would love to talk to you face to face. That would be my pleasure, Miss Rebecca Taylor. Thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. Thank you guys for having me. Please do me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease.
Too hard. Don't think too much, darling.